Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. And now, here's a clip from the movie, The Santa Claus, that today's speaker will be preaching on. Miracle on 34th Street, starring exactly why you want a high-quality fire extinguisher right in the kitchen. Those flames were really big, Dad. Yeah, turkey's funny that way. Dad! Hey. It's done. All right. Good morning. Who is excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? All right. All right. Boy, that was good. I like that. That's really good. God is excited that you're in the house of the Lord this morning, and he is so excited. He has a word for you, and I'm so excited because he's going to use me as a vessel to deliver that word. All right. So we just looked at uh, a video where this turkey was burning, right? Right? Okay. So this movie's called The Santa Claus, and just to give you a little bit of background on the Santa Claus. It's about a single father who uh, is trying to give his son the best Christmas that he can, and so he tries to make this, this awesome, awesome dinner, right? He tries to make the best turkey, the best stuffing and dumplings and whatever else have you, and, and in, just before that clip starts, he says, four hours? It's going to take four hours to cook a turkey? So that right there tells me that he did not want to spend four hours cooking a turkey, right? So as you can see, what happens when we, when we decide not to, to use the four hours, and uh, you know what it takes to cook faster, right? A little bit more heat, right? Yeah, got to cook her a little faster. We need that more heat. So the Santa Claus is based a little bit more around the, um, this fictional character, the Santa Claus. But I want to explain to you a little bit of where Santa Claus comes from. All right, where do we really find uh, Santa Claus? Why, why do we hear this all the time around Christmas? The true story of Santa Claus begins with a guy named Nicholas. He was born during the 3rd century in the village of Patera, Turkey. At the time, the area was Greek and is now on the southern coast of Turkey. His wealthy parents, who raised him to be a devout Christian, died in an epidemic while Nicholas was still young. Obeying Jesus' words to sell what you own and give the money to the poor, Nicholas used his whole inheritance to assist the needy, the sick, and the suffering. He dedicated his life to serving God and was made Bishop of Myra. While still a young man, Bishop Nicholas came known throughout the land for his generosity to those in need, his love for children, and his concern for the sailors and the ships. Under the Roman Empire, Dial's I can't even say that word, Dials Cleeton, maybe that's close, right? Who ruthlessly persecuted Christians, Bishop Nicholas suffered for his faith, his faith, was exiled and imprisoned. The prisons were so full of bishops, priests, and deacons, there was no room for the real criminals, murderers, thieves, and robbers. After his release, Nicholas attended the Council of 
Nicaea in A.D. 325. He, deci- he died December 6th, A.D. 343 in Myra and was buried in his cathedral church where a unique relic called manna formed in his grave. This liquid substance said to have healing powers fostered the growth of devotion to Nicholas. The anniversary of his death, be- death became a day of celebration, St. Nicholas Day, which we see on December 6th and December 19th on the Julian calendar. So that's where Santa Claus comes from. So when we see this Santa Claus thing, and we're like, oh, not this guy again. But this is where that all originated. We as, as a culture distort things, and we come up with Santa Claus. Well, that's enough about that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for what you're going to do in this service, Lord. And we thank you for what you're going to do in each and every life here, Lord. We thank you that no one is here by accident, but everyone is here by opportunity and for a reason. That you have something for them today that you need delivered. You have something that is going to speak to their heart, that's going to speak to the very innermost part of their being. Lord, I pray that you would fill this place so that the walls could not contain it, Lord. Your song says that we cannot contain your love. Lord, flow through the chairs. Flow through the fingertips, flow through the aisles, flow through every part of this place in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. All right, so we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. All right, so Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was was engaged to him and was with child, While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. All right. So I want you to remember a little bit to that clip of how that turkey was on fire, because we're going to reference that a couple times. Um, But in in this passage of Scripture, it's talking about when Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem. Now Mary was pregnant with child, and Mary was pregnant with a child that the Holy Spirit had set in her, because Mary was counted as favored and blessed of the Lord. And so he sent an angel to Mary. If you read earlier in the, in the book of Luke, he sent an angel to Mary to tell her that the Lord was going to put a child in her, and that that Lord was going to be called the Son of God. So Mary is, is almost complete on her days of pregnancy, and Joseph is, is engaged, or, I don't remember if he's married to her engaged to her, but not important. Anyway, so the census comes out. Now, I don't know if any of you guys here have ever had to register or pay taxes or do anything inconvenient at a time in your life where you really didn't want to do it, but this is one of those inconvenient things that came up. And so Mary and Joseph were probably planning to stay in Nazareth, have a child in Nazareth. The days were coming to be completed for her to have a child, and they wanted to be in the comfort and the in the uh, ability of their own home. So they had everything there that they needed, right? So they, they were really hoping, probably, that that's where they were going to be. But this census comes out, and now they're called to register. So everyone in the land is going to register. And to register, I don't know if you know this, but to register, you have to be in your born county, which is here in, in Wisconsin, or your born origin 
of, of your region. So Joseph was from the city of Bethlehem of the house of David. So he was a direct descendant of David. So he had to go back to Bethlehem. And because Mary was his wife or betrothed to him, engaged, um, he, she had to go with him. So they're going on this journey. Now it's about 70 miles from Bethlehem to, <laughs> to Nazareth. So they're going from Nazareth to Bethlehem. 70 miles. So they just got on their Beamer and went over there, right? Got on the BMW and rolled out, right? No. So back in those days, it was a journey, right? They had to put foot in front of foot. Sometimes they had a donkey. And I can just think about how Mary kind of felt about, anybody in here ever been pregnant? I'm sure there's been a couple people in here that have been pregnant at one time or another. But when your completion of days come, uncomfortability is really a part of who you are at that point. You are carrying more weight than you're supposed to be carrying. You know, you're going through pains that you've never experienced before. You're getting kicked on the inside instead of the outside. You're not, you know, not all of us know how that feel, right? You're getting kicked. And now you want to be set on a donkey, and every bump you hit in the road, 70 miles, every bump you hit is hurting and painful, and it's just, oh, I don't want to be on this trip. Or every step that you take, you're sweating, and you're just like, oh, I got 69 miles to go, 68 miles to go. Why do we got to go register? Can't we just not do this? Can't we just have this baby at home? But no, they go on the trip. They get to Bethlehem, and they get registered, right? They get registered, and now the completion of days has happened for Mary. Okay? They register, and now Mary is ready to have a child. And now they need to find a place to have a child. So they're looking for a place to have a child, and there's no room in the inn. Everything's filled up because everyone's there to register, right? Everything's full. So... I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure when a child wants to come, a child's going to come, right? So they had to, like, figure something out fast. So they found a barn, and they had the child, and they put the child in the manger because there was no room in the inn. Now, a manger is a feeding trough for animals to eat out of. It's something you see on a farm all the time. If anybody has been from a farm, you kind of know what a manger is. But in those days, they had wooden feeding troughs like this that they'd set in front of the animals. So the Savior of our world is sitting in a feeding trough, laid in a feeding trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Okay, not really what what anybody that has read the scriptures imagined the Savior to come as, right? So we see this. Now, this is the beginning of a process. When that turkey was cooked, when he put it in the oven, it was the beginning of a process, right? Joseph and Mary are taking the steps of the process that the Lord is ordering for them, whether it be painful, whether it be hurtful, whether it be something that they don't want to do, they're going through the process because the Scripture said that in Bethlehem is where the Savior would be born. In Beth, I don't know if Joseph and Mary knew that, but it was going to come true one way or another. So a census was given. They had to go through the process to carry out the prophetic Scriptures that the Lord had sent beforehand. Now, there's a process that has to be done when you cook a turkey, right? You probably should preheat the oven at 400 degrees, set it for four hours, walk away, and check it every 20 minutes just to make sure that it's cooking properly, right? Instead of setting the turkey in there and hoping that 25 minutes later you got a golden, peaceful, awesome turkey, but when you open the door and you skipped all the steps to get that great turkey and flames are rushing at your face, you're like, why the flames? And you put them out, right? We skip the process. This is a word I want. Everybody say process. Look at your neighbor and say process. Oh, yeah. That's process. You got to go, go through the process, right? 
This is a huge, huge thing. Because if any steps are skipped, <laughs> your turkey's gonna start on fire. Right? Your meat is not gonna be cooked all the way through. It's gonna, it's gonna look cooked on the outside. <laughs> but it's probably not gonna be great on the inside, right? Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It says, now they had gone, now when they had gone, so right now it's speaking of the Magi. The Magi had come and, and, and visited Jesus. Now the Magi were, were a sort of wise men from the area. And interestingly enough, we always think of Magi as being the three, the three wise men or the three kings. Um, but really they were just kind of the wise men. They weren't really kings. It was just their gifts that proclaimed or that projected them as kings. But they usually traveled in groups of almost 70 men. So there's nothing to say that there was only three of them, but they, throw, they brought three gifts, and these three gifts have had great meaning. We're not going to get into that, but if you want to know more about it, you can ask one of us or the pastors, and, and we'll, we'll definitely let you know what, what all those mean. But so the Magi had left, and when the Magi saw the star, they had traveled towards the star, and it took them almost two years to get to where Jesus was. So this is about two years down the road after Jesus' birth, right? So now when, they, when the Magi, or when they had gone... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the, the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, this is another set in the process that Jesus had to go through, right? Because the scripture said, out of Egypt, I call my son. Now, I think it's really interesting that he says, out of Egypt, I call my son, because out of Egypt, he called the people of Israel. Out of Egypt, people were fed by Joseph, right? Joseph went to Egypt, and it was in Egypt that he was blessed, it was in Egypt that he was, that he was given authority. It was in Egypt that he fed the people in the famine. If he wouldn't have gone to Egypt, he wouldn't have been able to do that. Now, Jesus' process is a little bit different. Herod the king is trying to kill him because the Magi had come first to Jerusalem to find out where, where uh, the Savior was to be born. And they said Bethlehem, so he sent him to Bethlehem told him to come back and tell him where the Savior was so that he could go and worship him too. But Herod was an evil king. Herod didn't want anyone to rule but him. So he wanted to kill any, any kind of king that was supposedly coming up after him. So when the Magi didn't return, Herod sent out all his soldiers and killed every child under two years old because he had figured out through his wise people when the Savior had born and about how old he would be. So just to be safe, he killed everyone two years and younger. Now he sent them out shortly after Joseph and Mary had left. The angel came warning them, you've got to get out of here because someone is chasing you and trying to kill you. Now I don't know about you, but I want to reflect a little bit on this message that when we go to Bethlehem, it is the beginning of our faith. We are born in purity of Christ. We are born in our Bethlehem. It's a process to get to Bethlehem. It's a process to get out of where we used to be into a state that where we can receive and, and achieve what God has called for us. Receive him, call him our king, and, and, and receive 
that forgiving of our sins. It's a process. So we're born in Bethlehem, and then we go to Egypt. We go to Egypt because the things that we used to do are chasing us, trying to kill us, right? We got to get out of the situation. If there's friends around you that you got to get rid of, friends around you you got to get away from, maybe it's family that is just dragging you down, sometimes you got to get out of the situation so the Lord can allow you to grow. Now, in Egypt, he's going to be growing. So when he gets to Egypt, he can grow because he's no longer being threatened by the things that are trying to kill him. Egypt was, a, was an interesting place because it was still a part of the Roman Empire, but it was outside of Herod's jurisdiction. So he wasn't able to, to go after him there or anything like that or chase him that way. He could have chased him anywhere else trying to find him. And it had a safe passageway. God has a safe passageway out of your situation. He's got a safe passageway for you. He's got a place where he wants to grow you. He's got a place that he's going to surround you with good people. He's got a place that he's going to surround you with people that are going to help you in your walk. They're going to help you get away from those things that are trying to kill you. They're going to help you get out of the process. The thing about process is, is it takes a process to get into drugs. It takes a process to get into alcohol. It takes a process to get into swearing. It takes a process to get into everything that we do that we call sinful. So if it takes a process to get into it, it's going to take a process to get out of it. Right? So we got to go through the process because if we try to skip steps, those things are going to come back and they're going to kill us. Now let's go, let's go to uh, Matthew 2. It's just a couple of scriptures down. We're going to go 19 through 23. And this says, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. I like this because it reflects another, another step in the process. It reflects that we were called to Egypt. We were called to grow away from those things that are trying to kill us. And the only way we can return to where we once were called from is when those things that are chasing us die. Once those things die, then God's going to call you back. And he might not call you back. He didn't call them back to Bethlehem. He called them back to their first origin of home, their Nazareth. Because the scriptures say that he was going to be a Nazarene. Right, And we find that that's originally where Joseph and Mary came from. They went from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem. So God has got a place to, for you to return to. But he's not going to allow you or give you the opportunity to return to that place until those things die. they got to die. Because if you try and return too early, if you try and, try and make that turkey cook any faster, they'll come back. They'll come back. If they're not dead yet, they're going to come back and they're going to try and kill you again. They will not stop. They won't relent. Our enemy is fierce. He will not relent. We have to be freed from that. And it says an angel of the Lord came and told him to go. When God calls you, see, the interesting about calling is a step of a process. God called Peter. Peter had to respond. And when he responded, God took him through the process. And even when Jesus died, Peter went back to the boat. Even when he died, he went back to the boat. But when he saw Jesus again, he jumped right out of that boat. See, things got to die. 
When we keep returning to something that is familiar because we lose something that has changed our life or something died that we really held on to, we lose that, that familiarity and we try to go back to something that's familiar to us. We try to go back to our normal. There's something to be said about how you grew up and what your normal is. When you return to your normal, you're returning to a state of being that you're familiar with, that you're comfortable with. Those things have to die because God is not calling you to comfort, comfortability. He's calling you out for him. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to have trials. You're going to have <laughs> tribulations. But God is, is going to be faithful to deliver you, just like he delivered Joseph and Mary out of the hands of Herod. And when that thing died, he allowed them to go back because now they can preach in their own country. It's a step of a process. And if we skip the process, if we say, but I want to be married now, but I want to have children now, but I want this now, and we skip the process of marriage, we skip the process of finding out who we're going to marry, we skip the process of really taking a look at what that job really does offer and what, what their vision and stands by, and we skip the process of those things, and we find ourselves in a state of being taken down, brought down, drugged down by, by uh, maybe a child out of wedlock. Or a marriage that isn't working because we went too fast. And now we're finding ourselves with a burning turkey and we're looking for the fire extinguisher. And sometimes the only way we know how to put out stuff is just to throw it out. God hasn't called us to do that. He calls us to stop and where we are to take a step back and go back through the process. Because through the process, he's going to give you that victory. Man, God's showing me something right now. So good. All right. We gotta keep going. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians chapter two, we're gonna go verses five through nine, I believe. All right. Verse five, it says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. This is where God brought me to the pinnacle of process. Not only was his birth a process, not only was traveling to Bethlehem and Egypt and back to Nazareth a process, but God... It says in this scripture, basically, this is the way the Lord showed it to me, that he stepped out of his kingdom, took off the robe of his glory, stepped down from divinity into humanity, and said, I will go through everything you're going to go through. I will see everything you're going to see. Because when I do that, I can relate to you. I can be a part of who you are. I can understand with you what you're going through. See, he went through the, the pain of childbirth. He went through being a child and needing to be to be fed, to be changed. He was completely dependent on man, not God at that point. Completely dependent on man to change him and to feed him and to help him grow. He became a toddler. We know how those terrible twos go. You know, I like to think Jesus was a good kid. I'm sure he was. But there's a process for, for a, a man to grow. And they had to go through that process to grow. And so he goes through the process to go, and we know how adolescence can get us down, and we go through all these different feelings and emotions and, and depravities and whatever have you, 
and then we get into the teenage years and we know how teenagers can be we know how we we want things that we can't we can't get a hold of and we want our parents to give us stuff that we can't really see or grasp but we want it now we're really in a now generation we're in a skipping process generation and i'm here to tell you this morning that we have got to stick to process because it was only through process that jesus went to the cross it was only through that process he became a man. He had a job. He knows what it's like to have a job. He knows what it's like to work with men that probably aren't the greatest men or women that are probably not the greatest women. He was a carpenter. He knew what it was to submit to authority. He submitted to his mom and dad. It even says in the Bible when he was in the temple and they found him because he wasn't in the caravan. You could read the story and get a little bit more information on it. But that he submitted to his father and mother and went back with them so that they could continue helping to grow. It took him 30 years to start his ministry. He went through 30 years of living. 30 years of living to start his ministry. He went 30 years of process before he started his ministry, before the Holy Ghost came upon him and he got baptized. It was that process that made him ready, that made him able to relate to man, that, that made him able to know what the temptations are, that made him able to really connect with those around him. It was that process. And then he started his ministry and it was through the process of the healings and the teachings that allowed him to show, him, show people and us who God really was what he really designed for us. That the law was designed to show us sin, but Christ came to take away sin. It was through that process. And then we see him at the cross. Talk about a process. I told Pastor Matt, I said, God showed me, he said, you know, I could have came from heaven right to the cross. But I chose to come as a child born in the purity of a virgin to show you that I love you and that I want to relate to you and that I want to feel your pains. God is a God that can do many things, but God is a God of love. He's a God that's trying to show you something. He's a God that can relate to you in your brokenness. He's a God that can relate to you in your struggles. You are not alone. Jesus is there for you. It was through that process of the beating. It says, by his stripes we are healed. If he wouldn't have got beat, we wouldn't have the healing we have. It's by the stripes that we're healed. He got beat with rods. Crown of thorns put on his head. He was beaten to unrecognizable man. There's so much that we think that Jesus was just beaten and you could still, still tell who he was. There was flesh hanging off of him. His entrails were hanging out. I mean, he was beaten. The veil was torn. And that's a whole other message. But the veil of his body was torn so that we could step in. Because we're hidden in Christ. He covered us through that. Oh, he broke everything, every bondage, every sin you'll ever face. Pastor Matt says it's best. When it's not sin that holds you down, it's your unbelief in Jesus Christ. It's your unbelief in the cross. It's your unbelief in what God can do for you. Sin doesn't hold us anymore. Jesus took that away. All we have to do is believe. I'm challenging you this morning to come through the process. Maybe, maybe your process this morning is going to Bethlehem and being born again. Maybe that's where you're sitting this morning. Maybe your process is in Egypt and you're waiting for something to die. And you're, and you're getting anxious and you want to go back. You want to go back and you want to preach to those around you. But God is telling you, you got to wait for that thing to die. Maybe you're in the process where you're going back. And God is, is showing you that you need to submit to authority. That you need to be able to go through the trials and the tribulations that I'm going to take you through. That I have built you up this far because I have a lot of steps for you yet. And that in the end, you're going to be victorious and the full conqueror of all. I want to speak to you guys in those three areas this morning. Let's stand to our feet.
God is a God of process. He, he's not a God that's going to burn your turkey if you don't do it yourself. We get so wound up in want to being where God has called us right now, even in our own calling. You, maybe God showed you call, your calling and your purpose, and you want to be there right now. But God's saying, I need to take you through a set of processes, a set of steps, so that when you get to the very calling and the purpose that I have for you, you will be ready. God has a calling for you, if you don't know that. He's calling you to your Bethlehem. He's calling you to your born-again state. He's calling you to receive Christ today. Like I said in my prayer, there is no one here by accident or lack of opportunity, but God is giving you an opportunity this morning. He wants to plant a seed in your life this morning. He wants to bring you to the newness of life this morning that he, that he went through for you so that we don't have to go through it. He wants to start a process in you today. Let's close our eyes. I want you to think about your process and where you're at. I want you to think about where you're at in God's process for your life. If it's being born again, if it's growing in who he is and praying for those things to be taken away and die so that you can return, or if it's returning and being strengthened in his wholeness. Think about that process. Those of you that need to be born again this morning, I just call to you right now that God is calling you to Bethlehem. And it might be a scary road for you. It might be something you never thought of before. It might be, you might be here thinking, I just came into church this morning and this guy is trying to tell me to do something I never thought about doing in my whole entire life. I'm here to tell you this morning that God has called you to opportunity. God has given you an opportunity. He's called you to something that you never thought you would be able to see before in your life. I want you to think about this process. I want you to really evaluate this. Because right now I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray to receive Jesus in your life. And it is so simple. Because of the process Jesus went through, he has given it such an easy process for us to receive him. So let's all pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would come into my life right now. I receive you. I believe that you died and rose again. I believe that you took away all my sins and cleansed me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Make me anew right now. Make me anew in this very spot. Call me to your next position. Those of you that prayed that for the very first time, I just want to encourage you that God has called you and he has a specific plan and a specific purpose for you. And it's going to take a process for you to find that out. It's going to take a process to get you to where you're going. The best way to start this process is to talk to those around you that you may know that know God. And if you don't know anybody, we're going to have a prayer team up here at the end of service that you'll be able to talk to and pray with. Because we want to help you through the process. Because no process is easy taken alone. Even Jesus had 12 disciples that he was able to pour into and they pour into him. It's through that process. And for those of you that are waiting to see where God has called you next, I just ask that that you would continue to pray and, and pray with others and find and seek that help through that process. Because that's 
God is calling you. And he's not calling you there alone. He's not calling you to go through it alone. He's calling you to go through it with those around you because it's through that that you're going to be strengthened. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for the word that has gone forth this morning. I thank you for your righteousness, and I thank you for every good seed that you have planted today. That you are faithful to finish the work that you started. That you are faithful to make us anew each and every day as we focus on you. Lord, help us not to go and lose this word, but help us to go and to receive it and to let you water it so that it will grow in our hearts. Help us to grip onto the root that you set in us. Lord, that we would become whole in you. In Jesus' name, and they all said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.